there. It's JJ Jazzy Shremsky here to tell you why the Ringer Gambling Show is your one-stop shop for all things sports betting, whether it's the heart of football season or the dog days of summer. You got myself, Joe House, Raheem Palmer, Warren Sharp, and so many more. We dive into the games, help you find the bets you like, and maybe you'll even win a little money along the way. We're coming at you Tuesday and Friday all year long, and be on the lookout for some special episodes. If you can bet it, we're covering it. So come check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Hypes and I'm joined by Danny Kelly and that's it. No Craig Worldex today, but drafts are this weekend. The show must go on. If you are drafting this weekend, the show is for you. We are going to do a whole episode today, basically just last second cramming for your draft, draft prep and everything. We have our rankings at fantasyfootball.thermirror.com. We have rankings there, tiers, and a lot of people have been clamoring for this. We are adding printable PDF rankings. I understand if you want to sit there and print it out, I should sit there with a pen and paper, totally get it, cross names out as they go. So that's all at fantasyfootball.thermirror.com. You can check out positions, our draft tracker. You can sit there and have the draft tracker side by side with you, whatever platform you're drafting on makes it easier. Fantasyfootball.thereno.com. And today, we're going to cram for the draft, basically. Right, DK? Crash course on drafting every little... I guess this is bigger like strategy than actual individual player analysis. But yeah, basically just getting yourself ready for a draft. And this is a big draft weekend. Very exciting. Lots of stuff happening. Let's do this. We just hit a couple things of news first before we start. Jerry Judy, receiver for the Broncos, went down to practice today. We don't know a ton. Seemed like maybe a hamstring injury. Yep. You know, there's not a ton of analysis to do. Like, players surrounded him and looked solemn, and that's about all the information we have. Right. He apparently, so he pulled up running a route. I think he was taking an end around, and he pulled up, started grabbing the back of his leg. He was, he needed to be helped onto a cart and then helped off the cart, which is not great. So right now, you know, again, this is Tuesday, or sorry, this is Thursday. We don't exactly know what's happening, but I think we can assume that Jerry Judy is going to be out for a little while here and maybe in danger of missing games here. So this is, of course, good for Cortland Sutton, who now with multiple injuries. All injuries, it's just like, I got to figure out how to make money on this. (laughs) Every time someone gets hurt, we're like, I'm so sorry. Now let's profit. It's terrible to say, but yeah, I mean, this is good for Cortland Sutton. I I think the funny thing (laughs) is I was really out on Sutton like probably a month ago, and then KJ Hamler got hurt, Tim Patrick got hurt, now Jerry Judy is hurt. 
And it's looking like Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton is going to be the number one receiver for this team. And so my only caveat to keep in mind, it's a little weird to draft Joe Judy this weekend, especially if you have one or two leagues and you're going to take Judy. It's kind of a weird risk. However, keep in mind with every single injury in training camp, carts, carted off. It's not like a game. Right. Every player gets carted off because it's practice and they because it's easier than walking. So like, again, helped on and off the cart one. It'd be really weird if they didn't help him. What are they going to do? Like, just be like, hey, get off the cart yourself, freaking Jerry. <laughs> dies, Come on, dies. man. Don't be yeah. such a bitch, Jerry. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, in reality, like, it's people are employed, employed full time to help Jerry Judy on and off the cart. So don't ne- doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it could. So if you're dra- right, maybe don't take him today unless he falls to like the seventh round. We don't know. Other stuff, again, running back Jonathan Tiller for the Colts. Well, we don't know. It's it is he going to be on the Colts by the time of this season? If you're drafted this weekend, will he be a Miami Dolphin by Wednesday? Will he be an Indianapolis Colt? We don't know. Yeah, I, DK, if you were actually drafting today and it was your only league, would you be like Jonathan Taylor on the board at the twentieth pick? This is a great value, or are you just like you know what vibes are bad? Plenty of good players. <laughs> Bill mentioned this on his podcast this week. It just feels like he's like the most polarizing polarizing player of the first few rounds. Yeah, we right now we've got him ranked at 32. So we are kind of nervous about him, clearly. And I think there's a lot of reasons to be nervous about him. Number one, if he stays with the Colts, he's in a kind of bad situation for a running back. He's with a rookie quarterback that's not going to check down. He's going to steal a lot of goal line looks. So that alone is is a little bit nerve-wracking for me. Number two, there's been all these question marks about him being injured right now, which is not great. And then, of course, number three, He's not happy. Maybe he's going to end up on a new team. And maybe that new team is actually better for him. But there's so many uncertainties there that, to me, I'm just kind of avoiding him. We were talking about upside, downside. Jonathan Taylor, talent-wise, very upside. But the reality is, offense with a rookie quarterback, how good is the offense going to be? And when they do score, Anthony Richardson can steal touchdowns. He's not going to check the ball down. So at the end of the day, how much upside does Jonathan Taylor have? And within that, again, if this were poker, there's a lot of ways you can lose the hand. And especially something that we almost never discuss is what if the player doesn't want to play football? But in December, when your games matter the most, and even if Jonathan Taylor is on the Colts and is good and is healthy and all the injury stuff was actually just about the contract, toward the end of the season, if he does have a nagging thing and the Colts have been eliminated from the playoffs yeah. and Jonathan Taylor's pissed at the team, what we never end up discussing is, what if Jonathan Taylor's like, I'm a free agent at the end of the year. Why am I going to get hurt for this team that doesn't care about me? And Jim Mercer was going to pay for to fly a whale to to the Pacific Northwest that he doesn't want to play me. Why am I going to risk my my health for this team? I'm going to sit out the last three weeks of the season. That's the fantasy playoffs. And like that as like is the final piece. I'm like, you know what? Just give me like, I'll take T. Higgins. I don't have to ask myself those questions of T. Higgins. You know what I mean? And that's kind of just where I'm at. I, maybe I'm missing some huge value in Jonathan Taylor, but the vibes are bad. The vibes are terrible. I mean, obviously, if he ends up in Miami, that's good, I think, for him because this is going to be a fun offense. It's a good run game and all that stuff. But at the same time, there's a lot of other guys there. I could see them still making that a rotation. And so even if you draft him 30, say, that's still pretty high for a guy like Jonathan Taylor. So It also doesn't change. A, tr- a trade doesn't change the fundamental nature of Jonathan Taylor being a free agent at the end of the year. So unless the Colts find a team that will give them a draft pick and that team signs Taylor to an extension, Wow, that was a bad voice crack. Oh my God. <laughs> I heard that. Woof. Anyway, all right. Whatever point I was making doesn't matter now. The point is, yeah. we'll see. But I, I'm just, you know what? I, I feel like if maybe we're wrong, but if you whip, if you miss on Jonathan Taylor this year, I feel like he's not going to come back around and like rue the day. Now, maybe that's famous last words for me. But what, what is your, what's your gut on him getting traded? Obviously, this I mean, it, is stays. Be one of, it stays. Yeah. It stays. What, 
he doesn't just want a new team. He wants to get paid. And right. honestly, it sounds like Jonathan Taylor will go anywhere that will give him $40 million. Why are the Dolphins going to do that? Mike McDaniel's this, this disciple of Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's father, Mike and Kyle, their whole thing is sixth round running backs become like these 1,200 yard guys. It's like, I, I, I don't understand this. I know Jonathan Taylor's fast and the Dolphins are all speed and he's big and A-chain's small, right, right, but right. are they going to give him a big deal? The I think the only counter argument to this, Heifetz, is that look at what the 49ers did last year with Chris McCaffrey. And I can see like the Dolphins being, this is what we got to do for our team. This is He's going to be a force multiplier for us. Uh, but at the same time, like honestly, Miami has been sniffing around on Josh Jacobs. Uh, there was talk that they were going to try and sign Devin Cook and that they made an offer to him that he obviously didn't bite on that offer. It wasn't nearly big enough. That's the thing. It's like they lowballed Dalvin Cook enough that he didn't yeah. end up going to his hometown team. He really wanted to. Yeah. You know, other people post pictures of Dalvin Cook and or players in a jersey. Dalvin Cook himself was posting photos of him in the Dolphins stadium as a Vikings player at Dolphins games. Like Dalvin Cook was doing it. He wanted to go there. They lowballed him. And then I think you're right with the McCaffrey trade to the Niners. That's the exception that proves the rule. Mike Shannon's known Christian McCaffrey's father for years. Like, didn't Kyle Shannon used to like babysit Christian McCaffrey or something? They've known each other. <laughs> Kyle Shannon's yeah. known Christian McCaffrey's entire life. That's apparently what it takes. And also, Christian McCaffrey's better than Jonathan Tiller anyway. So, well, I, specifically I at pass catching, yes. And that is, I think, the big thing here is Jonathan Taylor is primarily known for being a runner. He's, I think he's capable as a pass catcher, but he's certainly not Christian McCaffrey in that way. So this to me, just for Miami, it feels more like they're doing their due diligence and kind of like, you know, sniffing around on everybody, getting, getting, seeing if they could make a low ball offer and if they'll take it. But it doesn't really feel like anyone's going to offer enough for Jonathan Taylor. Maybe they'll regret saying that in a couple hours, yeah. but that's how it yeah, feels We're right recording now. this at 4 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, so if Jonathan Taylor is already a member of the Miami Dolphins by now, then, well, I must yeah. sound really stupid. Well, Okay. Yeah. yeah well, whoops. Zoinks. All right. Let's get to draft strategy for 2023, helping people crash course. This is, if you've been studying with us every, every episode for all year, then consider this basically an overview of everything we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Or basically kind of just a summary prep right before you get going. I know people, it's really that time of year. So we're just going to go back and forth here and basically just go through, I don't know, roughly how we're approaching drafts. I think the, the base way I would explain this year, <laughs> we talked about Passover, like why is this night different than older nights? Like why is this season different? I feel like our entire lives doing fantasy football, it's like running backs go in the first round, more or less. And this year it's just flipped. Yeah. It used to be running backs in the first round, receivers in the second round. Honestly, now receivers are going in the first round. Running backs are in the second round. So with the exception of Christian McCaffrey, who's elite, I like him more than Eckler, or like Travis Kelsey, we've talked about a lot. With the exception of those two dudes specifically, it's the year of Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs, A.J. Brown even, C.D. Lamb. Like those guys, you're paying, you know, for somewhat certainty, safety at the receiver position, easier to project in the first round. And the second round, you can kind of get running backs that frankly used to go in the first, like Tony Pollard this year, Rich Rebar at Sharp Football has done a great job talking about this. Tony Pollard should probably be a top six pick. For whatever right. reason, you get him in the second round. And if there's any, like the fact that you can kind of take, you know, Tyree Kill with like the fifth or sixth pick or Travis Kelsey with the seventh or eighth pick, come back around and get Tony Pollard or Nick Chubb in a way where he's drafting or he's catching passes or Saquon Barkley in the second round. It's so weird that it's almost just a reversal of what it's always been, which is you used to just take Saquon in the first and then Kelsey or CD or Kelsey or Diggs in the second. It's just the same stuff in a different order. Yeah. When I'm thinking about sort of a strategy pre-draft and how I want to come away from the first three rounds, typically I'm like, I kind of want to just avoid the risk 
that comes with Eckler, McCaffrey, you know, some of these older running backs. And I want either, like you're saying, an elite receiver or Travis Kelsey. Like that would be, to me, the best case scenario. If you miss out on some of those guys, if you miss out on some of the top receivers that you want, like I'm fine taking Chubb because I think Chubb is going to have a massive year. But, you know, or Bijan, honestly, Bijan Robinson, I think, is another guy that just just his ability in the passing game could be a force multiplier for him as a fantasy guy. And so I don't know. There's no nobody in the first round that I hate. I think that's always like the context that you have to come with when you're talking about like draft strategy in terms of the rounds and everything, because like we like all these guys in the first round. They're all good players. They're all going to have huge years. But when it comes to overall strategy, I think I want to come out with a top tier receiver and or or sorry, a top tier receiver or Travis Kelsey in the first round. And then, like you said, get into the the high end, high potential running backs in the second round. So and you let's just do it now. Those running backs. I, I want to shout out Scott Barrett. Fantasy points has done a lot of stuff on this. And basically, we probably don't talk about this enough about Scott Barrett wrote this great article. It's like a award-winning article basically upside wins championships like you want to draft for upside and it's weird because there's projections and you're doing your draft and it says like how many points they're going to score but like that's just a guess and you have to factor in what if they get hurt and it's kind of like an average and look at Derrick Henry's projected carries it's under 20 because you have to factor in well there's a x percent chance it gets hurt and so uh, this is the number Derrick Henry has never had under 20 carries per game and so the point being at the end of the day no one wants to do their last place punishment but fantasy football is a Ricky Bobby <laughs> exercise like yeah. if you're not first you're I guess second to last because you don't want to do the punishment, but it's your first or second to last, right? That's all you care about in fantasy football. And at the end of the day, like when you lose, you always look at your players and blame, oh, it's because, you know, this guy didn't have that many points. But in reality, it's your best players didn't score enough. When you're losing fantasy football, it's because you're not having enough guys scoring in the 20s or 30s. And actually the guys who get you like nine or 10 points each week, maybe feel consistent, but no shade to Tyler Boyd or Zeke Elliott last year, but they're kind of like silent killers. and so. Running backs, oh, that's a very long way to say the second round running backs, like it, you want these like legendary seasons. And Scott has this really cool yeah, article about it yeah. at fantasypoints.com, which is fantastic. But basically, Christian McCaffrey in 2019, Todd Gurley in 2018, Austin Eckler last year, Josh Jacobs for points. Like there are g- running backs that are just so much better than everyone else that it kind of just basically gives you a coin flip chance to make your championship because they're so much better than everyone else. And that the risk of running backs getting hurt is kind of dwarfed by the, like if they're going to take on the risk of a running back getting hurt, you want the, if he doesn't get hurt, will he just be like a right. fast pass to the, to the championship game? And that's why I'd say I, I do like Christian McCaffrey this year. I think McCaffrey has that in the first round. I feel less good about Eckler, Tony Pollard in the second round. Like, I don't know, coming off a broken leg, it's a little weird, but he does have the fast pass track Tony <laughs> Pollard too, if he stays healthy to maybe getting that. And just Bijan Robinson has that too. So I just, um, and also shout out to Patrick Corain for writing about this too. But is any you want to add to that? Because that, I know that's a very long preamble, but those are the running backs I believe in, like McCaffrey, Pollard, Bijan, Nick Chubb, Saquon, the guys that if they're really good and healthy, like could be legendary. Yeah, I, I think in in simpler terms and like the way I think about it, it's like a guy who's going to score 10 points in a game is like not really going to help you that much. There's like 100 guys that can do that. You know what I mean? In any given week. Scott actually wrote about this. He, Scott wrote in a 12-team league with one quarterback. There is essentially zero difference between the 12th best quarterback and the 26th best quarterback in a season. <laughs> There's basically exactly. no difference between the 20th best running back and the 35th best running back, or the 50th receiver and the 800th receiver, or the 6th best tight end and the 13th best tight end. Because 800. the margins are so small <laughs> that it's yeah, like yeah. at that point, you're already lost if you have to ask the question between the 50th receiver and the 90th best. Like, you right. actually just want players who are better than that. I think it, in another way that I think about it too is just 
we spend so much time planning and so much time creating strategies. And at the end of the day, like so many leagues come down to like just the guy who picked the best league winners, like the the three <laughs> or four guys that were the absolute freaking terminators of fantasy football that year, whoever it is. And so obviously, you know, there goes a lot. There's a lot that goes into like predicting who that guy is going to be. But like the way that I typically try and picture it is try and find the players that are going to give you essentially two players in one roster spot. So it's the two for one. Hyphens, you call it the buy one, get one free type player. In the past, this this has been guys like Travis Kelsey, who last year, I mean, he scored, I don't even know, like a hundred more fantasy points than the number two <laughs> tight end. Like having that's like literally 15 two, touchdowns worth more than number two TJ Hawkinson. He is such a massive advantage for anyone who had him on your team that like that is a that alone is like something that can propel you straight to the playoffs. You know what I mean? And so finding guys like that is so key. At quarterback, and again, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but running is massive, massive, massive. Jalen Hurts essentially last year was a QB1 as a passer and an RB3 as a runner. You know what I mean? Like he's like having two players in one spot. He scored so many touchdowns as a runner that it's like you're, because you're literally playing two players. Dumb. In- and rushing yards are worth almost three times more than passing yards. Right. And these are the rules, and we got to exploit them. And so guys like Josh Allen, of course, is another one. Justin Fields, if he can make a big jump as a passer, like he could be one of these guys that turns into like a two-player, two-for-one type player. Um, Lamar Jackson, if he returns to MVP form, I'm definitely willing to bet on Lamar this year and go out of my way to draft him because his upside is just so insane. You know, he literally has done this where he led the NFL in passing touchdowns and he rushed for over 1,000 yards. Perfect example. Like, I think, I guess what I'm saying is in the first round with the receivers, right? Like, the receivers are safe because you don't want to fuck up your first round pick. And again, it's just Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. These guys are so good that you're like, let me just, it's like a bond. Just like take this. And then after that, especially as you get later in your draft, you really, the only thing that it's, especially outside the top 10, but Lamar, like, even by the fourth, fifth, sixth round, and especially after the 10th or 11th, the only thing you should start thinking about is what's the best case scenario here? Mm hmm. And, right. you know, you don't want to be, delude yourself, but that is why you guys always talk about Kadarius Doty, if you could ever play football. Yeah, yeah. Like, with that best-case scenario thing in mind, a couple guys that come to mind for me is, like, Daniel Jones, who looked incredible in this last preseason game. He was just slicing and dicing as a passer, but, of course, he's going to run a lot, too. He's very athletic. They might use him on, you know, keepers and read option type stuff in the red zone. Uh, Sam Howell, if you're really looking for a deep sleeper, he ran a whole bunch in college, and this offense has looked a little bit more competent than I think we thought it would in the preseason. So that's kind of a a late guy to look at. And then when you're talking about running backs, like, of course, we just got done talking about how like these running backs in the first round are a little bit risky. But the reason to take a risk on guys like McCaffrey and Eckler in the past is because, again, this is like having two players in one roster spot. McCaffrey and Eckler are getting almost as many targets and catches as receivers. I actually split it up. I looked at it just now. If you split up Eckler's points last year, he was an RB1 just with his rushing production. And he was in the low-end RB2 with his receiving production. So it was like having two players, again, in one spot. It's a massive, massive advantage. Um, Debo Samuel a couple of years ago, if you can find the guy who's going to be the next Debo Samuel, he was essentially a wide receiver when he had 1,400 receiving yards and he scored like eight touchdowns. So he's like an RB2. So again, two guys in one roster spot. That's amazing. The guys that I'm looking at this year that have some potential and maybe the talent to do that, like Bijan Robinson is another guy. We don't know exactly how they're going to use him, but he's a good receiver and he's a good, he's a really good runner. So maybe this is the type of guy that can break out. We love Pollard. He's explosive. He's good in the passing game. Um, this is another reason why I'm probably a little too excited maybe about Jameer Gibbs for the Lions. He's a rookie, 
He's really good in the passing game. I think we know he has a good floor as a pass catcher, but if he just ends up being like their main runner, then that gives you this massive, massive upside. Um, so trying to find, again, he's trying to find these guys that are going to turn into two-for-one players is, is I think, just really what you're going for. Yeah, and on that note, I also think my general advice this year, again, I think receiver Kelsey in the first round, unless McCaffrey's there, second round, locking another receiver if you want. There's a lot of great guys. Or Tony Pollard, you know, they can't really go wrong in the first two rounds, to be honest. And then, but I think Craig was talking about, I think this year, more than other years, we're more comfortable just getting all these different positions early. Usually it's like, oh, grab a running back and then a bunch of receivers. This year, it's like, you know, they say with vegetables, you're supposed to eat the rainbow, right? You want all these different colors. Right. There's some apps like Sleepers, an app where the positions in your draft are different colors. I have, my drafts this year have more colors to start than any of the drafts I've ever done because I'm fine a tight end with Kelsey in the first round and then you come around the receiver and then a running back and then a quarterback or it's like, you know, you can get, you know, it take, I've never been so comfortable take Mahomes or Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson or even Justin Fields or Joe Burrow in the first 50 picks while also take Kelsey or Mark Andrews at cost and then having like all these different running backs and never mind all, all the receivers. It's like, I, I've never felt that way, but when the flexibility you maintain when you start with like a great running back and a great receiver early, you don't feel like you have to press on either for the rest of the draft. And then you're flexible to, oh, maybe I get Darren Waller later. Or you can just vacuum up all these receivers as they come up. So I think I, I've never been more content to kind of fill up that starting roster and then just trust yourself to hit on the depth later, especially at receiver and running back. Right. Specifically. With all that upside stuff in mind of like targeting those guys and you have the freedom to do it because your starting lineup's kind of filled. Yeah. And, and with the running backs dropping a little bit in drafts this year there's like less of a real pronounced running back dead zone where you want to just completely avoid running backs you know so yeah there, maybe there's just more flexibility in the, in drafts this year than ever and i think I, you know when you hit round three it goes against sort of your gut to take a quarterback that early it's like oh man there's so much opportunity cost in this area but at the same time again it's like man if you had Lamar in his MVP season, like odds of you winning that league is like really, really high. If you have, if you had Jalen Hurts last year, it was like you could have a shitty team. I listen legitimately happened to be in one of my redraft leagues. It's like I had Jalen Hurts. My team was just like okay otherwise, and I was still amazing. Like I was still, you know, one of the top teams in the league uh, through the regular season with Jalen Hurts. So it's just, you know, it's such an advantage. It's, it's got to hit the right one, but, you know, sometimes it's like, a little scary to get drafted that early, but in a lot of cases, it works out. I guess we could also just start naming some guys. Like, at the end of the day, like, specific strategy for each position. You mentioned quarterback. It's like, if you want a fun quarterback, man. Also, you go to fantasyfootball.thrand.com and you can see our tiers. So you can go there. You use a draft tracker. Hit the draft tracker. You can follow along for the whole thing. You know, you can see our rankings side by side with the platform rankings. And ultimately, like, that is one of the easiest ways to exploit. No rankings are perfect except ours. But <laughs> everyone in your drafts drafting off of, like, one sheet. Using a different sheet's the easiest way for you to end up with a different team than everyone else, and that's the easiest way to find values. You can have our draft tracker at fantasyfootball.theringer.com side-by-side on a computer with whatever league you're doing it on. Plus, you can now, we have a printable PDF going up there. People have been asking, Hell yeah. so we're putting a print printable PDF that you want to take to your, if you're old school and you want to just take it to your draft, that works too. So I think, again, there's eight quarterbacks. There's Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Lamar, Justin Fields, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, even Trevor Lawrence, I like all those guys. If I don't get one of those guys, I'm going to be the last one to take my starting quarterback. I'll pair two together. Anthony Richardson with Geno Smith or Dak or Prescott or Daniel Jones. I don't care. If I miss one of those top mm -hmm. eight guys, I'm kind of detached emotionally from the idea and I'm going to be good everywhere else. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, 
it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Tight end. Again, we like Kelsey. We like Mark Andrews. I'm kind of super out on TJ Hawkinson. I'm super mad at him. I'd rather have Jordan Addison 50 picks later. I don't believe Hawkinson, Hawkinson. has an ear infection right now. <laughs> what is he's he like, like a three-year-old? Coming, I know, that's what I'm saying. How did many he, adults get here? Did he jump into a pool or something? Um. Anyways, yeah, I'm like, I, I was he I know that this off? is we we make fun of this every. I don't know, maybe uh, we make fun of this every year for for getting our hopes up about this. But I really am kind of into the late round tight end this year. There's there's a couple of rookies that I really like with. Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, uh, Sam Laporta. I am not. I am not. I, I actually will go the other way. Do not. I, 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 I will say this. I think there's Kelsey and Andrews. Darren Waller is, again, talking about upside. I love Waller. That middle. Then, if you don't get him, Dallas Goddard, Evan Ingram, Pat Fryermuth, that's my firewall. Where it's like, I really would prefer Pat Fryermuth, man, where it's like, pay for Fryermuth so you don't have to pray later. After him, I hear what you're saying. I agree with you. That Gerald Everett for the Chargers could be good. Tyler Higbee on the Rams could be good. Dalton Kincaid. But at the end of the day, if you're relying on a rookie tight end to be good for you immediately, it's like, holy shit, I really hope you're in the position that you hope Dalton Kincaid's good, but also if you cut him, you're fine. Let me be more specific. Here, here's how I would do it. And this is how I've been approaching drafts. And of course, there's a very strong chance, as it happened in the past, that I'll regret this, but I'm actually pretty confident about it this year, is if you don't get one of the top couple guys, and, and you know the guys I'm most excited about right now are Kelsey Andrews, and Waller. If I don't get any of those guys, I don't want to fucking deal with Pitts. I know that we've we've talked about it yeah. a lot already. I Toxic don't want to fucking deal with it. I don't really. I I I'm nervous about Goddard just because there's so many weapons in that offense. I just feel like it's going to be kind of frustrating. And same goes for Pat Fryermuth. I don't trust David and Joku, so I'm waiting and I'm going to go. I want to do like a combo later in the draft where it's either like Gerald Everett and a rookie or. Maybe a guy like Tyler Higby and a rookie, Dalton Schultz and a rookie. And so I can kind of bake in the first couple of weeks where we're trying to figure out if these guys are even going to be playing or not. Juwan Johnson is another guy that like, it's not ideal. For the Saints. Yeah, for the Saints. It's not ideal, but like if I'm starting him week one, it's a little nerve wracking, but I don't, I'm not like terrified either. You know what I mean? And so. Really? Well, it's just yeah. the, the optimism of week, of, of week one. I know. It, it's me, of course, buying a little bit into the That's like you narrative. just showed up to the casino and you're like, you sit down at the table. You're not nervous because you just sat down, but that's the only reason you're not nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I Honestly, like the way that Derek Carr has talked about Juwan Johnson, I think he's, I, I heard somewhere that he was like calling him like a long lost brother. It's like they grew up together or something. They have this amazing connection. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, of course, this is preseason narratives and who knows what will happen here, but to me, that's like the route I'm going. I, I love Eric. I love Gerald Everett, though. Like, if I can get Everett and one of Kincaid, Laporta, or Musgrave, I'm feeling Hold on. tight position. Derek Carr didn't say about Juwan. Juwan Johnson said Derek Carr was like my long lost brother. Okay. Okay. Which to me sounds like Juwan Johnson might not be getting the ball enough. And it's like, hey, Derek, you're my long lost brother. Throw me the football. <laughs> no, he was, he was saying that because they just have an amazing connection. He and, knows where I'm going to be. I know where he's going to throw. That's kind of the biggest thing the chemistry. It's all about trust. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's exactly course. the kind of quote that if Jawan Johnson's good, we'll talk about all the time. And if Jawan Johnson's bad, we'll never have this conversation ever. This again. is the Cooper Cup uh, and Matt Stafford breakfasts together. You know what I mean? Like this could go terribly. And yeah, maybe if Cooper it Cup work was out. bad, we would never talk about that. No one would remember that. <laughs> as a thing. I mean, I'm not saying Jawan Johnson's Cooper Cup. It's he's close though. Okay. Well, just take Jawan Johnson in the first round. That's Love basically him. Love what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. And again, fantasyfootball.thereum.com. We've got our receiver. We've got our tiers for every position, like draft tracker, everything. That's quarterback and tight end. Receiver, again. A million guys. <laughs> a million guys. Yeah. I would say there's nine that are like super reliable and you could just take whenever you want, frankly, if you really like them. And I wouldn't even call it necessarily like a reach. You know who they are. Jefferson Chase, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Kill, Diggs, A.J. Brown. I would say I start to kind of get the, meh, like, right around, honestly, with like Jerry Judy. I'm like, oh, he's hurt. I start to have questions. Terry McLaurin hurt his toe. You know, Deontay Johnson of the Steelers. Those are guys where I really hope I have at least two receivers already before I look at those guys. Like, that's basically the simplest way to say it. Drake London, McLaurin, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown, Brandon Ayuk, Mike Williams. If those guys are your third, that's cool. If mm-hmm. they're your fourth, you're crushing it. And if they're your second receiver, I'm a little nervous. Right. That's the simplest way to say it. But beyond that, if you're like fourth receiver is like George Pickens, your fourth receiver is Jahan Dotson, Brandon Cooks, Gabe Davis, Jordan Addison. I'm like, all right, we're cooking. And that's basically it. You probably want five receivers in your first 10 or 11 picks, at least. That, like you really, you really want five of the top 40 guys. And you kind of don't know if you want any of those receivers that's at the top 45 guys. Is it always like this? I, I'm trying to remember past seasons where there's so many guys where you can like, you look at them, you're like, I don't know about this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel confident about this at all. When I say top 40, I mean at receiver. Like the top 40 receivers, really, which basically the whole top 50, the whole top 50 almost is in our top 110. But once you get to Jacoby Myers, Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Thomas we like, but again, that's your dark throw because you're not relying on him. It's just he's all upside. Kadarius Toney, Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnson, who's like having struggles as a rookie. Sky Moore, Odell Beckham. These are real scratch-off lottery tickets that could be worth nothing, like Sky Moore. Right. Or Darnell Mooney, Nico Collins, Al Lazard, where I'm like, what even is this? So, I, I Ren, I, I really want to be done with wide receiver outside of pure upside, really by round, like, outside the top 110. If this is an auction, like, yeah. you know, nothing more than 2 or $3 bids on these guys, but nothing you need. Yeah, I think that resonates with me, too. And then, yeah, man, running back, it's, at the end, the flex with benefits. All those guys at the end of the draft where you're kind of just throwing darts, you've got, you know, maybe your Tony Pollard in the second round. And as you're going down, Rashad White, the Bucks running back, he's in the top 100. John Hansen, he's like a legend of fantasy football, said he was the, Rashad White was the best value seen at running back in 10 years. That kind of caught my eye. Mm. And then James Cook on the Bills. But then at the end of the day, you're looking for like a fourth running back. Jalen Warren for the Steelers. Tyler Algier for the Falcons could just get run. Kenneth Gainwell for the Eagles. Like all these guys that, you know, Jeff Wilson and the Dolphins that they don't get Jonathan Taylor. Guys who are just going to get playing time, but then an injury away from even more and more playing time. Yeah, and you were talking, so you were talking about you want to come away with two like rock solid receivers before you start delving into other other positions. How do you feel about the idea of just building around like a hero running back where you just have basically your RB1 and then you fill in your RB2 as the season goes on and just kind of- that like, is. The way I would do it. Also, there's a know thyself yeah. like Myers Briggs element to it. Of if you, love what are you going to be comfortable scou- doing? <laughs> if you sc- love scouring waivers, like if you're mindless scrolling on the subway or whatever on your way to work, or you're at work and you're just like checking waivers all the time instead of your email, then yeah, bet on yourself finding a running back. If the idea of like not knowing your starting lineup each week freaks you out and you're like, oh my god, how am I going? Then yeah, maybe don't bank on that. But 
if you're listening to this show every week, then hopefully we're going to help you find your, that second running back. So yeah, like I think that's how you get your advantage. It's like, oh, I'll get an elite quarterback. I'll get an elite running back, a couple elite receivers, an elite tight end. And then I'm just going to get a bunch of wide receivers to fill out the team. And then like nine picks later, all right, we're going to take four running backs in a row here. And then hopefully we'll one it out. hits. Yeah. And, and, exactly. and it, it also speaks to the volatility of the running back position. A lot of teams use committees now. And so you're going to have, uh, you know, more guys touching the football in theory. And so like you can kind of get by at the RB2 position. I, I would say the, the position in my starting lineup I'm most comfortable punting on is that RB2 spot. I want to have... Yeah. Or I, you know, like I just said, I kind of I'm I'm okay taking a risk at the tight end position just because it's such an all or nothing position typically. But yeah, the RB two spot I don't worry about all that much in drafts. Also, obviously, without saying take kicker or defense last. And honestly, unless yeah. you're on ESPN, like sleep. If you're drafting sleeper, you don't even have to take a kicker or defense. Don't even do it. Just wait till week one. Just wait until one. literally just... the day before the games. Yeah, like if you're <laughs> in a, if you're in sleeper, out. you can you can take Kyler Murray. And then you'll probably be able to, he'll be out for week one. You could put him maybe on your IR or something, depending on your league. And then you could just add a kicker. So, I mean, that's a silly thing, but it's true. Like, you don't even have to draft a kicker. Yeah, if it's, while we're talking about that, how do you strategize usually with that last pick? Because you know what I mean? Like, what kind of, what type of, what archetype of player are you going for? Are you basically looking for upside? Is that the the bottom line, like we talked about earlier, upside wins titles or whatever? Or is it yeah, more like, like... I would say it depends on your team. I, I would say more often than not, it's probably a situation where I want a running back because I'm generally speaking, unless you've started and you have like Christian McCaffrey and they're like, oh my God, Tony Pollard fell to me. You got Tony Pollard and then later you got James. All right, maybe you don't need a running back. But usually you need, you always need a running back. So Jalen Warren's just there for the Steelers. What if he's just the Tony Pollard for the Steelers? Or again, Tyler Algier. You're like, what if Tyler Algier actually just rotates in with B. John Robinson and just starts, but also is the handcuff, but actually is playing each week. Stuff he had like a thousand that. yards last year. Exactly. <laughs> Set yeah. the record for r- r- rushing yards for a rookie for a Falcon and then just got benched. Maybe. So it's like guys like that, I, I think are really good. Tank Biggs, we love for the Jaguars. Those kind of guys. And again, Donovan Peoples-Jones for the Browns, a 100th percentile explosiveness athlete that is mm. starting for the Browns that just no one cares about. Like guys that, again, if Donovan Peoples-Jones is good, could be incredible when most people, if they're good, might not even be incredible. And that's kind of it because you're realistically, you're going to might cut the guy. So guys, you might find out on immediately. Also for defenses, while we're just doing all this stuff, dude, defense is like the hardest thing to predict in the NFL. Just look at the first four games. Oh yeah. Defense, like for example, a defense you probably might not be thinking about. For defense, you probably are thinking, like obviously the 49ers have a good defense. The Eagles have a good defense. They'll probably go, they might even be drafted like kind of early. A defense I think about a lot, dude, the Baltimore Ravens, their first game is against the Houston Texans with C.J. Stroud and his rookie first game quarterback going against yep. the Baltimore Ravens. You don't necessarily have to think beyond that. Like, just be like, all right, I'm going to try to win in week one and we'll go from there. And then the Ravens get Anthony Richardson and his in week three. And then the mm. Browns week four. You know what I mean? It's like, there's just yep. the, another one. is just the Saints defense. Oh, my God. Their their schedule of quarterbacks yeah. this year yes. is so light like and, and we talk we don't talk about this enough probably but like in fantasy f- for or in even real football like the quarterback opposition that you face throughout the year can have such a massive massive swing on just your success like you know everything to do with because because quarterbacks are the most important player on the field it's like it's like far more important to just look at the quarterbacks than actual team i feel like the saints defense i, I don't think anyone's going to take them but you're, you're up there you're going to take a defense in the last round here are the quarterbacks the saints are going to face Ryan Tannehill in week one, then Bryce Young in his second career start for Carolina, Jordan Love, which will be his fourth career start for the Packers, 
Baker Mayfield, Mac Jones, CJ Stroud, a rookie, Trevor Lawrence, probably the best one, Anthony right. Richardson, a rookie, Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke for the Falcons, Jared Goff, Bryce Young, rookie again, Daniel Jones, Matt Stafford, or if he's not hurt by then, then it'll be Stetson Bennett, Baker Mayfield again, <laughs> and the Desmond Ritter. It's like, that's crazy. Holy cow. Yeah. So that's an example. Saints are like, going to the playoffs. I think they're going to win the division. I think the Falcons and the Saints will both go to the playoffs. Too. Oh I like gosh. a bet on FanDuel. That would like, be funny. Looking at the NFL, the NFC, like those are such easy schedules. So yeah, I, I hope that that's helpful. I know it's probably not quite as fun and breezy as a usual episode from us, but we kind of thought it's yeah. draft season. It's Friday. Like people probably wanted a little more pragmatism. Um, we can get to emails in a moment. Be a little silly. But is there anything else, DK, that just pure pragmatic wisdom you want to drop as if people are actually going to about to do a draft like today and just want as much info as possible. Oh, man. Um, also, don't overthink it. Take good players. Like, that's, what I, that's what I was going to say is like, don't overthink it. Just have fun, number one. Obviously, this is for fun. And don't stress too much with the last few picks because you can always hit the waiver wire hard over the next few weeks. You know what I mean? So I think there's, there, and that's like, and we'll talk about it all season long, but like the draft is just the beginning. Hitting the waiver wire and finding the right guys in the waiver wire all year is like really almost as important as the draft probably. And so, yeah, I mean, it, the draft is not the end all be all. And so don't stress too That's much. That's true. I mean, Justin Fields last year probably was added in October by people. And again, it, especially if you've been listening all this time, you feel like we talked to a lot of guys. It's always within the context of like where they are and frankly, the platform you're on. I love totally. James Cook this year. We love Rashad White. If you're on like sleeper, James Cook might be ranked like 90th. You know what I mean? Or like if you're on Yahoo, Rashad White might be like 70th. Mm -hmm. have your two have ours and the, the platforms next to each other and kind of look at where those guys are ranked and just, you know, have that in mind as you go. And it's so easy, even for me, Heifetz, and I do like I've done a million drafts, you know, like I this is I think about this all the time. Even when I'm in a draft room, sometimes I won't scroll down that far, you know, on scroll like the, down, scroll <laughs> down. You don't know like, who's still there. You're like, yeah. Lockett is 86th on this. What? Like there are times where it's like, holy shit, this guy's still out here. And he's like way down the list and no one has realized it. And so um, there is definitely an advantage to having just two lists in front of you where you can kind of cross track, cross reference, make sure you're not missing anybody obvious. And that's where you pick up value as the draft goes on. It's like basically we've got this guy ranked way higher than he than he looks on whatever platform you're drafting. Yeah, on, like you know? Christian Watson, I love. He's like 20 spots higher on on ESPN than Yahoo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Darren Waller is like 78th on Yahoo. Like that, honestly, the list of guys you might target on one platform is completely different than the other. That's the simplest and easiest advice I could possibly give you is like figure out what you're drafting on and then just exploit that versus what everyone else with 100%. other rankings you want to use. Our fantasyfootball.thereon.com. And also just tiebreakers. When in doubt, like think about rooting for that player each week and whether they're fun to watch. Like I'm not saying this should be the primary, but when in doubt, like if you want to watch Patrick Mahomes each week and you're between him and Jonathan Taylor, I don't know, just take fucking Patrick Mahomes and enjoy it's the so goddamn fun. ride. It's so fun to have Patrick Mahomes on your team. <laughs> like, just, <laughs> and, you know, it's supposed to be fun. Like, don't forget right. that. Like, take people you like. It's a good tiebreaker if you're between two dudes. You know what I mean? It just feels like, good to plug in your lineup and Patrick Mahomes is sitting there at the top, doesn't it? Like, Anthony, I don't know if Anthony Richardson's going to be a good quarterback for the Colts, but if you're between him and someone else, you know what a good tiebreaker is? Well, he's the fastest quarterback and he's the biggest player and when you hear him talk it sounds like the voice of God it's like it's gonna be fun you're the best looking team getting off the bus you know at least you feel good about that team this episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle as your business grows you might start seeing some lag 
There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Enough unironic, just pure <laughs> strategic advice. You want to do some emails? Yeah, let's do it. Emails. Emails. This is from Matthew. Matt. Matty. Matt was at the live show. He says, you guys understand? He said, nice park and bark. <laughs> I, I hope you guys sat. understand that you, yeah, we're basically just Adele or Ben Roethlisberger. We That's, just sat there and talked. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Matt well, said- We didn't the, get up to bonk each other a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we bonked at the Horny Bats. But Matt said, if you, in the show, we were talking about, we were talking about drafting and how, we were talking about watching Jahan Dotson. We're like, isn't it wild that like just- yeah, first round pick. You can come in. You're like, yep, he's good. Or watch another guy. Yep, he's no, he's no good. And we we're talking about every industry is like that. Like hiring. Like what industry is famously great at hiring and like every not. You know what I mean? It's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Matt said in the show you mentioned that hiring is so tough in all industries, and you wish you could just work with a new team or a new team member as a trial. This is what we do in my industry. I'm a chef, and to get a job in a kitchen, you work for free for a full day as an audition. And a lot of people, because a lot of people claim that they can cook, but we make them prove it. It's also a great way to gauge (laughs) if that new hire will mesh well with the team and if we're all a natural fit for each other. Do you think the NFL could adopt this in any way? I mean, they could. It would be logical, but it will never happen because the agents won't allow the players to do that for free and because you're just risking so much by playing a game for getting hurt. You know what I mean? So... It will absolutely never happen, but that would make a lot of sense to have them yeah, go play. If the play teams again. could design the process, the process outside any opinions from like the union or the agents or the players, the teams would dictate and say, "Hey, you're gonna." Yeah. Imagine if the t- if the teams could like have a something basically these joint practices with other teams and just have a quarterback come right. in. You know what I mean? Imagine Patrick Mahomes, who would have been the first pick. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky would have done very well. At the end of the day, this is what the All Star Circuit is all about. Like the Senior Bowl, it's a it's, it is a game, technically. You're not playing against NFL players, and most of it is just like what happens in practice, but there is some way to evaluate there. But at the end of the day, like the reason this doesn't happen is because there are 32 teams, and they're scouting 150 to 300 players a year. These teams, number one, the players are not going to go play a game for 32 teams, you know what I mean, in, in this pre-draft process. They play like 10 games in college, and they get absolutely destroyed. So 
that's why. I mean, it's it's really just not realistic or practical for the players to do it, and it will never happen. I mean, we see players drop out of running the three cone. You know what I mean? Because it's like too many guys get hurt running the three cone or whatever. And we're seeing all the combine records fall because they're training for one event and not right. doing the other ones and putting right. all their energy into training for one thing. So the whole thing's to gain the process. It's all weird. But it, it does make, it makes too much sense, but it just will never happen. All right. This is from some, oh my God, so many people. Matt, Adam, Kristen. I'm going to read one from <laughs> Matt, but okay. So on the live show, we talk about this now. DK was... <laughs> said to us, yeah, they used to mail you a CD and that was the internet. We were like, what What the hell? And then DK, <laughs> I mean, no I was offense, saying it mostly tongue-in-cheek, but yes. Really failed to explain. Even, <laughs> I think we actually asked him five or six times to elaborate and he just couldn't. So anyway, we got well, I don't, I actually still, I, To be for the record, I didn't really remember how it worked because I was like in middle school. Oh, I know. School. That's what I'm saying. You really yeah, didn't okay. know how it works. <laughs> we're like, what do you mean? You're like, I don't know. That's anyway, well, I lot, Everyone else remembered how it works. I obviously don't believe they were mailing you the internet on a CD. I just like didn't remember how it worked. I just thought it was funny. But anyways, continue. Yeah, to Tell be me clear, how it actually worked. I'm saying worked. you didn't remember how it worked. Okay, anyway, yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. did and they emailed us. I'm going to read Matt's email. They're just, they're just screaming through the... Ghost screaming at us. All right. Yeah. Here's how AOL CDs worked. When the internet was first starting, I know this may shock you, but there was no app store. The only easy way to get on the internet was you needed the AOL application, but the only way to download it was by installing it via CD or floppy disk because the only easy way to get and the floppy only easy disc. way to get it yeah floppy disk god that's what a funny thing I guess it makes sense you couldn't download from the internet the thing that lets you get on the internet right, that makes right, sense right, right. and you had to download it via mail the only way you could get that was via mail because you couldn't go to the internet to download the internet application <laughs> so they mailed you the C to download it and at that point AOL then charged you for their service and using the application we also got an email from someone who actually their job their first job when in high school was delivering mail and they had all these free, AOL would send out the free trials. Yeah. But they sent out so many of them, there was no way to bar you from using it again. So this, he was, mail. he hoarded all the free trials <laughs> and he had like hundreds and he sold them to high schoolers and that way his high school friends could access porn. For the black free. market, I love it. Yeah, without their parents knowing. And so we got someone who basically ran a high school business that way. <laughs> He like had like a trench coat with a bunch of AOL CDs in it. Yeah, the, yeah, basically the early dark web. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does make sense. Uh, I yeah, thank you for explaining that, everybody. I'm sorry for pissing everybody off. I was mostly. Well, can joking, I actually make you feel yes. older? So yeah. is that dial up? Dial. I think dial up just refers to the fact that in the in the old days, and I'm sure the ghosts are going to yell at me. In the old days, you would connect to the internet via your phone line. So this was an improvement on that when you. Uh, I don't know. Yes, I so I assume so. I there in the in the very early days of the internet, like you couldn't use your phone and the internet at the same time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if someone tried to call you when you're using the internet, it would say it was busy. And so, um, yeah, dial up like there was like a very distinctive noise it would make when you'd like do whatever it was you were trying to do with the internet. And um, again, I'm not I'm clearly not someone who like writes code or knows the technicalities of how the internet worked in those days. But yeah, I do remember it was like, it was through your phone line originally, you know, because that was the infrastructure back then. And then now they have all the, you know, fiber optic cable and all that shit. But um, yeah, we're getting think, haunted by the ghosts right now. The ghosts are just screaming. Yeah. All right. It's from Joshua. Josh. What about LA Lights? Because Deke was trying to explain LA Lights to Craig and I. We were like, what? He said, I, Joshua says as a young old being 40 years old, <laughs> I very much remember LA Lights sneakers. They were all the rage for maybe a month or two. And then just weird novelties that everyone forgot about. If exactly. it was an NFL player, exactly. it would have been Gary Barnage. <laughs> Gary Barnage. 
Holy shit! Did he have like a thousand and... yards one year? Yeah, that that is a great freaking call. I also had someone getting mad at me because the 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 brand was actually LA Gear, and the LA Lights were just one version of the sneakers. It's kind of like Reebok and the pumps. Like when I think of like, do you remember pump siphons? Yes. Oh, that was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those were Reeboks, and so I didn't get the branding correct quite right because it was LA Gear was the brand. LA Lights was the actual like model. Um, but dude, great call, Gary Barnage. Totally forgot about that guy. Remember, uh, there was another guy, um, Jordan Cameron. USC. Well, you always called him Cameron Jordan, right? Because there's yeah. a Cam Jordan in the NFL too. But uh, yeah, he was another guy. I was like, flash in the pan, good for a second. When the ringer first started, I was fact checking, and I would fact check you a lot. And you oh, you didn't get it right. I don't I get it wrong. You never would get that right. You remember Terrell Pryor? Yeah. Remember when he had a thousand yards as a receiver just randomly and then you never heard from him again? That was, yeah, he heard his ankle. He was the NFL really is good. wild. That yeah. was crazy. All right. Carter. Carter. A follow up on would you miss your kid's birth during the Super Bowl if your kid was being born during the Super Bowl? And DK right. was like, yes, it's the most important thing ever. I would leave the game. Carter writes that he says, DK was morally opposed to missing your kid's birth, even if you're starting NFL quarterback with a title on the line. And he's wrong. <laughs> In fact, you cannot leave the game. Because your unborn child wants you to finish the game. Here's why. Oh. You can't put the pressure on your child for the rest of their life as them being the reason that that team <laughs> lost the fucking game. Right. Because if that team loses because you left to go to their birth, your kid is going to be harassed for the rest of their life by random strangers. And a random Bears fan would be like, thanks for costing us the Super Bowl, Keith. <laughs> and then your wife's Jeez. gonna get accosted too be like oh Jillian yeah thanks for going to labor in the third quarter couldn't have waited whether that's fair or not he's right like they're literally the rest of their life they're gonna have to own up to like I hope you were worth a title kid I mean this is a very strong argument I'm I'm swayed by this argument um, there's something there it's like when you're naming your kid you don't want to have them be a name that can be easily bullied right and so you have to think you have to think that way uh, man this is a good point this is a very good point I love that he used the, the name Keith Love that. Yeah, it's... Cost us the Super Bowl. Keith, I was thinking about the guy for uh, the fan of the Cubs who, like, robbed that... Oh, Steve Bartman. Ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I just wanted to... I just wanted to be a fan of my team and now everyone fucking hates me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that guy... I, I, that was a good point, Carter. Still, yeah, Steve Bartman really got shafted. Those tough. <laughs> he, like, had to go into hiding. He had to literally use cringe. Move yeah. cities. Oh, that's uh, that is like the all time cringe, right? That's the all time. Yeah. That's like the, the use case. We should get Steve Bartman to be the spokesperson <laughs> for cringe. He's our he would have switched lives in a heartbeat <laughs> if he could have. Yeah, that wasn't his fault too. I mean, it, that play was sucked. He was but. listening to a Walkman. Thirty for thirty, baby. Yeah, tough. Email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. Fantasyfootball.theringer.com rankings draft tracker you can have our rankings side by side with the platform that you're on it'll be really helpful thank you for sticking with us we'll be back next week we got everything show draft season fantasy kicking into full gear thank you everyone for listening thank you for kicking um, with us at the live show we really appreciate it shout out to Jesse thank you Jesse yeah. for producing this episode on short notice thank you DK thank you Lord thank you Bon Jovi wow nice and again thank you everyone uh, for coming to the show. It truly did mean a lot. I know Heifetz has already thanked you a million times, but wanted to hear it from me too. Thank you so much. It was really fun. Super fun. This is a great story. And it combines a lot of things we've been talking about with dads. But basically, my mom worked with this. Uh, she had a job. Basically, she ended up being at a factory lot. She was like a 
a salesperson, but she ended up being spent a lot of time at his factory in New Jersey. And mm-hmm. one of the guys who o- oversaw the factory was this like older man. And at one point he's like, yeah, my daughter, she's dating this guy. He's like a, he's like a singer or something. I, <laughs> nicest kid in the world. I can never remember his name though. It's like, John Don Hovey or Don John, I don't, Don John something, but nice kid though. And yeah, that was, that is Bon Jovi's father-in-law. I love that his name is John Bon Jovi. His real name is John Francis Bon Jovi. So it's B-O-N-G-I-O-V-I Jr. So he kind of like made it easier to spell. But uh, yeah, I actually, Loki kind of like Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's embarrassing or not. Bon Jovi kind of I think the internet just makes people ashamed of things. I, there's nothing you should be ashamed yeah. about of liking Bon Jovi. <laughs> I will say, though. I have, we, we I have a friend in mind, Logan, who is going to make fun of me for liking Bon Jovi. I can already feel well, it. You know what, I, Logan, like, I like Bon Jovi. Get out of here. <laughs> the, we, were, we were talking about, again, talking about me not knowing who Rod Stewart was. But sometimes you're just introduced to things at because you're young at, by in strange ways. Like, again, how Paul Newman's going to be the salad dressing guy right. at all, every uh, Gen, Z, uh, Gen Z kid. I think the first time I'd heard Living on a Prayer was watching American Idol. And it was like uh, Blake, Blake Lewis did Living on a Prayer. And I was like, this is great. And in my iTunes <laughs> gift card I got for my birthday. So I think I bought Living on a Prayer cover by Blake Lewis on my yeah. iTunes. <laughs> yeah. They just got hits, man. They have a lot of hits. Very Watch catchy. You Spotify now, though. Goodbye, everyone. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.